Hey everybody, what's going on? My name is DJ and this is the Restaurant Growth Podcast presented by Seven Shifts. On this show, we sit down with the best minds in the hospitality business, bringing you new insights and big ideas to help your restaurant business grow. I had the pleasure of chatting with Majo Alanis, the founder of Beyond Juicery and Eatery for this episode of the show. Majo tells the story of Beyond Juicery from the way beginning of his career and we got to chatting about how they've grown through franchising over the past few years, up to like 50 something locations. It's crazy, they're, they're killing it. Um, and Majo also gets into you know what he calls these bus tub moments, which are insights that have helped him stay ahead of the curve of what customer wants throughout his career. There's like three of them um, that he gets into that really defined Beyond Juice and what they offer. Um, it's an inspiring episode with a lot of great insights and stories, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation. So with that, here's Majo. Hey, Majo, how are you today? Fantastic. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Thanks for coming on the podcast. That's great. Yeah. So really just to kind of kick it right off, how did you get started in the restaurant industry and you know, what's your story? Well, it's uh if you got a few minutes, I'll tell you. But we got uh, all the time in the world. All right. So I um I started washing dishes when I was <laughs> fifteen years old. Um uh, I think it was the second job I applied to. I they got the job, the whole purpose of the job was so I can have enough money to buy a car, which that car cost four hundred dollars wow um and uh i started washing dishes and <clears throat> when i was back there i learned a lot washing dishes and i still use the uh, uh i still use those job skills that i learned even to today yep. so when i was back there washing dishes i i realized that um i i actually tried to be the best dishwasher there was i tried to clear all the dishes before any new dishes came before any dishes get in the bus tub and I worked really hard. I'd come home at night. And my fingers were all pruned up. My feet were soaking wet. And um, But as I was washing dishes to the other side, I'd see this prep cook. The yeah. uh, prep cook would come in and uh, his feet were, his fingers were never wet. He never seemed to have a kind of a stressful job. So I actually went over there and I learned his job. Yeah. And before you know it, I was promoted from dishwasher to prep cook. And then when I was a prep cook, I was watching the guys in the kitchen and I realized those guys had it pretty easy and they got to talk to the servers all the time. So um, I went in there and on my off time, I learned how to uh, cook. And before you know it, I think I was 16 and I was in the kitchen um, cooking. I was cooking on Friday nights and then on uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings breakfast, which um, was big boy, which those were the busiest times to work. Yeah. And then, at the end of the shift, I'd go back and watch the waitresses count their money, realize they were making as, enough money in one day as I was making all week. Um, I just kept that in mind. By the time I graduated from high school, I had um, they offered me a manager position. Um, I uh, did not accept it. I I, went, I started college. I used to play baseball, and when uh, I didn't succeed at that i went back and i took him up on the job and um uh, as i grew through my career i started working in every position of the restaurant i worked as bartender server manager general manager open new stores um uh then i tried to do the college again um uh and uh it was up until um probably uh 1994 where i was working in scottsdale and this uh 
girl came in at one minute to close her and her friend. And, uh, when they're, I learned a lesson there at one minute to close, you treat every customer the same, whether mm -hmm. they're one minute after open or one minute before close. And when, um, we got done, I got done waiting on that table. I, um, I asked her out and, uh, she actually showed up to where, uh, we were supposed <laughs> to meet afterwards. Um, come to find out she was her family was in the restaurant business and i believe that's the key of what happened mm -hmm. uh she was going to school it was this was in arizona and uh she was going to graduate school out there we met up we hooked up and when she graduated she could not get a uh she couldn't find a job and i still to this day believe it's conspiracy theory but <laughs> back in 1997 she um she got a um, um, a job offer here in Michigan, mm. and she said, "Hey, let's move back, and um, uh, let's move back to Michigan with you. Can move back to Michigan with me and uh, work for a year. I'll get enough uh, uh, time, and I would be able to get a job someplace else. And we can move back." I said, "Sure, but I'm only going to go for one year." Right. That was twenty two <laughs> years ago. Anyways, um, she, uh, her father was in the restaurant business. I said, the one thing is I'm not working for your father Yeah, and this is okay. And, uh, uh, a couple months went past and he actually asked me, uh, to come work for him, <laughs> work a day for him. I worked one day and oh my God, it was, you know, it was a mom and pop restaurant where I've never worked for mom and pop before. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're handwriting checks and, uh, just doing things that, you know, back in the old days um we got done and uh we got done with that day it was a disaster one of those you know really busy days and he asked me afterwards he said hey you want to come back tomorrow i said no not really <laughs> he asked me again and i accepted and i'd have to say that's the day that actually changed my life wow um because as far as my career is concerned because he taught me what it was like stick the key in the door in the morning and open it yeah and he taught me what it's like to lock it at night um you know basically open to close every day you know they're like the restaurant business doesn't shut off and you know he taught me what it was like with what it costs for the lights to come on the napkins the straws uh insurance uh payroll tax uh, uh depreciation you name it like you knew everything everything about the restaurant business um which I didn't learn working in the corporate world. Yeah. Um, but what he taught me more than anything is he taught me how to have a family life with the restaurant. Mm. And, um, he, the, 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 the family embraced the fact that they had to work and they knew that that was more important than anything else. Um, I, we were here in Detroit and in 2001, the lions have always played home football games. And that was in uh, Pontiac. In 2001, they moved to downtown Detroit, which was a half, a seven tenths of a mile from the stadium. And we, we embraced the Lions and we opened on Thanksgiving Day. Wow. Um, today, it's still a tradition. But in because of that, I'm in more Thanksgiving Day photos with other families than I am with my own. <laughs> so, um, but... Back around 2000, 
I started noticing people throwing away hamburger buns and French fries. I saw yeah. it in the bus tub. And I would ask the I would ask the servers, why are they not eating their hamburger buns and French fries? Now you, you gotta rewind back to two thousand. Like um the the way that we eat today is not the same as we ate back then. And we were trying to get more plate coverage. And I knew if I looked in the bus tub and see what people throwing away, because nine out of 10 people ain't going to tell you what they don't like. They just don't like it and they don't come back. And I try to anticipate right. that. So I went to, um, I went to the tables and I started asking, and I heard things, Hey, can we substitute sliced tomatoes for French fries? Can we get cottage cheese? Can I not have a bun? <clears throat> and I'm like, why? They're like, well, <laughs> no, when you eat, um, all these carbs, you don't feel good after lunch. Yeah. I'm like, um, really? I, I just, it started hitting me. Um, um, Pam and I still had a place out in Arizona and we'd go back and there was this mountain and it was called Camelback Mountain. And we love to, um, by the way, just so you know, <laughs> uh, today is my 20th year wedding anniversary, Cinco de Mayo. Happy anniversary. Um, uh, thank you very much. We got married in Sydney, Australia. And, um, uh, but, uh, my team just, um, made a video for us where they all said something. They said, happy anniversary. And, did something. and I just got done watching it before I got on the podcast. Oh, nice. So, uh, and there was this picture of her and I on top of Camelback mountain, all sweaty shirts and everything, but <laughs> we would, we would, um, climb this mountain and come down. And at the bottom of that mountain, or really close to it, there was this little juice bar that we'd go to. Mm. And um, uh, they have smoothies and juices. I couldn't tell you the name of it. But I did know one thing, that I knew that when I drank something from there or purchased something from there, I felt different. Yeah, There was something that made feel, I felt like I was doing something good, you know, like not having a Coke or I, like iced tea with sugar in it. Or it just, I just felt good. Yep. And, um, and then I would come back to Michigan and that seeing more and more of the people trying to substitute, substitute side salad. And then I'm thinking of this juice bar and I'm driving home and, um, it's just brewing in the back of my head. I'm driving home and all of a sudden it hit me. There's no place to buy a banana in the fast food industry. Mm. You can't even get a banana. Yep. I drove past Arby's, Wendy's, McDonald's, um, uh, Jack in the box. This was before Wendy's had salads. And I'm like, oh my God, there's not a place to buy a banana. And then that little juice bar popped into my head. And that's the moment that the um, the idea for Beyond Juice was born. Beyond Juice Reanator was born. And we took, um, we took every bit of money that we had. Hmm. Uh, we came up with a concept, built it out. This was in 2005. So there was a period of time between 2000 and 2005 that took us to actually get it open. We got it open and the first customer walked through the door and they ordered $4 and 25 cents smoothie and turned around and walked out. And I was like, Oh my goodness, what did we do? <laughs> because in the bar restaurant industry, no one comes in and has one. They right. have one after another. They have an appetizer. They come in four. they don't, they're not there for 45 seconds. They're there for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and uh by the way my other restaurant they wait 45 minutes to an hour to just to get into the place but it's a different story <laughs> we'll get and, to that um 
Yeah. So uh, as as we were growing, I would have to say we were probably about three to four years ahead of our time. And, you know, we had uh, just a, a, maybe 20 to 40 customers a day coming in. I knew we had a good product. I knew it tasted good. It was just a matter of getting the product in the people's mouths. And as of this day, that is the number one uh, marketing tool that we have is get the product in their mouth. Yeah. Um, I, I put an A-frame out on the sidewalk and I <laughs> turned it toward, like I put it right in the middle. And mm -hmm. the only way that they could turn was towards the door. And when they turned towards the door, I got eye contact and we were like, hey, would you like to try a smoothie? Hey, would you like to come in and try what, you know? one of our juices. So, um, we had samples and we were giving it out, um, uh, right around 2008, we started doing really well. Um, and, uh, I started getting the knock on the door about, Hey, how do I purchase one of these? Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's one's not for sale. And, um, I just kept asking and asking and asking 2012 to 2013, we started getting a really good push for bottled juice and I, well, it wasn't bottled juice. It was actually the same, same tool that I use as the dishwasher. I come in and notice what the customers were doing. I came in and there was a customer that had, we had an ice chest on the floor and they were making six, uh, large juices to go, which we did fresh juices with the machine. It's centrifugal juicer. Yeah. And I asked the, the, the barista, I said, what are you doing? She said, this person ordered six six juices i'm like it's like 50 bucks yeah and uh it was like yeah so i went out to the customer and i said hey um can i ask you a few questions I said, sure I said, you can get six is this for uh, more people it's no it's for me i said why are you why why you got six he said well i'm i'm going up north and i'm like yeah and he says there's no place to buy juice up there and i'm mm. like really and he's like yeah and i'm like doesn't the juice go bad he says, no, it hasn't. He says, that's two. I have two a day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. He says, I'll see you guys back on Monday. I said, interesting. Again, flying back out to Arizona, I opened the mag the in-flight magazine, and on the middle cup, in the, midst, in, in the middle, one of, on a full-page ad, is a bottle of juice. And the mm. light bulb went off. I'm like, yeah. bottle juice. And, you know, when you're looking, I started seeing bottle juice, bottle juice. So... In 2015, we created our bottle juice line. And um, when we created the bottle juice line, um, we learned a lot, but we now then, we now have a packaging, a packaged product that we can sell retail. Um, and that's evolved. We go into that, but that's a older process, but we're making it fresh. And we're making it fresh out of the back of one of my other restaurants. Uh, we go in at five o'clock in the morning and uh, Juice all the juice, put them in bottles, distribute in stores daily. Yeah. Um, around 2015, they knocked for people wanting to buy this. Yeah, and all when I talked to the attorney, they all all he could say was franchise, franchise, franchise. So, and I'm like, huh. So, I went to uh, I went to an IFA, which is a International Franchise uh, Association uh, conference. And when I walked into that room, uh, I want to say my life changed. My yeah. life changed because I, I walked in there and I met other like-minded people like me. Yeah. And how they have taken their business to a new level. Um, we came back and I said, okay, we're going to open 
uh, four more stores, one of them being a commissary retail outlet, so we can prove that we can handle building stores. We're going to learn all there is about building, and we're going we're gonna to create the relationships between us and each of the stores and build out a corporate team in order to um, start selling franchise. We did that. Uh, we opened uh, four stores in 14 months, and oh. uh, we were off to the races. And in 2018, we went through the FDD. We got um, um, our franchise agreement done. We got our training manuals done. We created the connections. We built out uh, customer service. And um, we onboarded our first franchisee in 2018. And um, by the end of 2019, I want to say we had six franchises. And then we went to 14 the next year and as of today we have 38 open stores with wow. 54 there's a total of 54 in in the works so there's 16 under construction we're in um two different states and two weeks ago we signed our first uh, two-store deal in naples florida and uh we're negotiating real estate pieces right now connected the um supply chain to go down there um we manufacture about uh, 35% of our products right now with a uh, focus on, you know, getting more and more of it because as we grow, we're realizing, especially in today's uh, supply chain, the more control you are of your product, uh, the more successful you can be as well as um, not having disruption because of uh, substitutions in, in today's market, which really cleared it up. I want to say we're just a little bit ahead of our time even when it came to that is yeah. owning our, our own manufacturing and um, now we've partnered with a distribution as well uh, that we're the number one customer. Uh, during that time, I did take on a partner. That partner is also part owner of um, the DWC brand and um, uh, which is Detroit Wing Company. They have, I think, 18 locations with 36. Um, uh, brainstorming and thinking about how uh, how do we get to the next level? We actually had uh, combined forces, and we just closed on our new corporate headquarters, which is forty five thousand square feet, wow. uh, where our new commissary will be. Um, I say, you know, when you have a salad, or you have a product or a wrap, anybody can get the same ingredients. It's that it's that sauce or the flavor profile that you put on it. Yeah. And that's exactly what DWC does as well as they have a flavor, unique flavor profile as well as for us, our unique flavor profile. We manufacture our own cilantro sauce um, mm -hmm. that goes on our cilantro chicken. It's a little bit spicy. We have um, uh, our hummus, which is uh, olive oil, no preservatives. Nice. Our salsa is fresh product that's made. And then HPP, which is high pressure processing. And then we have the best product in the world, which is the uh, bottled juice. It's all organic. You can't get any healthier than just drinking straight uh, vegetable or fruit juice. Yeah. Um, I would have to say that differentiates us from any of our competitors. And, like we love having the, the core value. One of them is do what others won't. Mm. And soon we can do what others can't as a uh, one of our uh, core values. So we march down that path every day. And... Um, you know, at, and the point in my life is I'm looking for that, just like I was when I was a dishwasher, is what's that next step? Yeah. How do I get to know that next level? How do I become a 
a 75 unit franchisee owner? How do I become a hundred? How do I work in multi-states? Um, what are the things that we need? So I'm working in the uh, six to 12 to 18 months from today. And then the corporate team that we built out uh, is working in the day to day. Um, I have uh, regular meetings where we keep the polls. We created a, a uh, basically issues. How do we fix the issues? How do we get decisions made? And how do we move forward? And how do we create targets and actually hit them? Yeah. And um, it's really cool, really neat to watch how the team grows and how we actually hit those milestones and, and celebrate with them. So when you went to that franchising conference, you just had one location at the time? I Yeah. Um, yes, I had one location at the time. So it was just the, the original Beyond Juice? Yeah, it's the original, yep. Wow. So, I mean, you're growing super fast. I mean, it's been just four, four years and you're already at this point. I think you said 38 units with a bunch more on the way. How do you do that? How do you grow so fast and prepare for that? One, without neglecting the original locations and the existing businesses, but also what's been the key for you to keep consistency across all the businesses, especially with a fresh product like that? You know, you're not shipping in frozen stuff like some of the fast food places. Um, it seems like everything's made in-house, especially with the fresh stuff. So, so how, do you, how do you do that? We got eyes on it. We have dedicated people that are actually, that's their sole job and my food came out and on that food was a product that was made um basically 300 miles away uh the box the bag the wrap yep. stuff inside there and i drove through and it was probably it was like a surreal moment for me because i then was heading home and i punched in my home and it was 273 miles mm -hmm. and i'm like wow just went through a drive-through, picked up my food that created the whole thing. We, we created the whole thing, and now it's in a different state. Yeah. And uh, and I went through a drive-through because it was the first time or pickup lane. And I'm like, this is this is so cool on an app on a device that we created as well that basically helped us get through COVID because we were able to be stay very close to our customers. Yeah. Um, and we were probably a couple years ahead of our time because we only had four locations at the time to actually have an app. Um, it was, uh, I would say uncalled for, but at that point, very necessary in what we had. And we were able to adjust really quickly yeah. and we were able to speak with our customers a lot during that time. Absolutely. Yeah. And just like you said, always just kind of being a little bit a step ahead of the curve. And, and I think it's that bus tub kind of looking in the bus tub uh, uh, mentality that you have noticing yeah. things as before people may even notice them themselves um, and get and getting into things before it's a trend. Right. My next question really is I talked about some customers and uh, I'm curious to know you've grown significantly through one of the toughest um, labor situations um, or labor markets in hospitality in the past few years, especially the past two years. How have you fared through that? And, and how do you approach employee engagement? I saw in an interview that you did, you mentioned that your team is what sets you apart. So curious to know what's your approach to that. So one, you have to take care of the employees. Uh, um, fresh is our focus and people are our purpose. It's been our tagline for a long time. Um, the The people part of it is... You, you really have to listen to them and understand their needs. I've realized that, you know, I don't want to say money's never been the reason 
I don't think money is the only reason that um, people work for you. It goes back to that drinking that juice for the first time is it's how we make you feel. Yeah. And if I can make you feel good about yourself or I don't know how many, I think I've had three, four employees of mine that started with me 20 years ago or 15, 12 that have gone on to open their own restaurants. Wow. And um, what I, what we provided for them is the, uh, the, um, that opportunity and that scale. I want people doing what they want to do. If you want to, you know, if, if you want to have beyond as your career, then there's a, there's a path and there's other people that went before you and have done it. And if you don't, you want it to be a great stepping stone and just learn, um, uh, values of life. You can do that as, as well. Yeah. Um, and as long as, you know, as long as we know what, what your plans are, cause I love seeing people, um, succeed at their goals. I love people actually having a goal, yeah. like having a goal and, um, and then talking about it, those, that's what I like about the franchise business is, is talking with an entrepreneur, which going into that IFA was talking with people that had the wildest dreams out there, but yeah. they weren't dreams. They were, it was the journey. They're on a journey to a destination that they've already created. And to me, that kind of stuff excites me more than anything is because a lot of not everyone has is able to manifest a dream and then go out and set goals and milestones to get to where they want to be. So right. in the franchise world, I love sitting with people that there's a blank canvas mm. and you create something. And then this whole massive movement turns the, turns the switch on and they start heading that way. And, and it's, it's this little Lego set, which is kind of funny. Yeah. I don't know. This is kind of funny. So from that my wife hasn't seen it yet, but um, <laughs> I bought, we were married in Australia and our, fan, our, our wedding picture was um, with the Sydney Opera House in the background. Mm-hmm. And um, I bought her a, a Lego set, which has got like 5,000 Legos in it, which is going to take forever to build. Yeah. But once it's once it's built, it's solid. It's right. It's a rock, and that's the kind. Of, I, I. It's kind of the way that uh, Beyond is. Mm. Um, you asked how we're faring through this um, labor. Back in the day, I mean, we would have, I don't know, twelve, fourteen employees working. I think yeah. that during during a busy shift. Uh, today we probably have six to eight, mm-hmm. and during I mean, we're talking the busiest stores in the company. <clears throat> because our corporate team and we recognized the first thing that we said was where can we cut on labor and, and not cut like cut people out, but, you know, create items that we can be made simpler yeah. um, from the commissary. We were able to make things to where they don't have to mix it at the store. And um, we're able to uh, put it into the actual containers and be able to drop it in, make things easier New menu items instead of taking two minutes to make now take a minute and thirty seconds. Right. Um, uh, cutting down the number of SKUs we have and that was really hard for me. It's like because each and every one of those ingredients is uh, near and dear to my heart. But you know numbers does don't lie. Yeah. And, um, and actually recognize and I'm like okay we're gonna make a switch. I'm leaving to Mexico. Don't tell me what anybody says. But um, 
but I, that's, that was a joke, but, um, <laughs> we would do things and, and we, and, and when we would, we would, we would talk about it negotiate and come back and say, okay, we need to add this thing back on. It was, it was, a, a really, a a product that we needed. So, and we're constantly doing that. We're, uh, redefining the menu and yep. um, without the consumer noticing the differences, but I would say in the most part, it's not about, uh, taking away, it's enhancing mm. what we do. And, um, and I, I go into the franchisees and when we field test and pilot test these, we ask lots and lots of questions before we roll it out to the entire brand. And, um, hopefully we get it right. And I'm not saying we get it right all the time, but when we get home runs, we get home runs. Yeah. So just kind of going into that and, and saying, you know, you're necessarily not cutting labor by cutting people, but making the jobs a little bit better or making them easier or making them, um, you know, um, just more effective. Um, correct. And um, being able to like almost, you know, it's, I don't know, you see the movie, The Founder? Yeah. All right. So when he was, when they redesigned their kitchen on the floor, and yeah. they were basically doing the orchard. We didn't actually do that, although that was brought up many, many times. <laughs> but we, we, we did that in like, okay, let's move the blenders over here, and let's move, we let's move this piece of equipment over here, let's move the pickup shelf here. So, we we real, what COVID did was give us, and with the labor shortage, it started making our minds think in different ways. To like, okay, what used to be okay to walk fire, it's like how do we do it where we do steps. Right. How do we do it with two steps? And at the end of the day, we may save an hour at, by the time. But the next iteration is how do we save another hour and another yeah. hour? Um, I do know, based upon my conversations with my franchisees, this majority of them got in because there's things of like, hey, let's put a kiosk out there. And yeah. When I brought that up, which thinking that would be a, a great idea, we just completely removed the cashier and the franchise. And I remember one of them, she's like, my job, I got into this business because of people. I want to be talking to the people. I right. love sharing stories with them. I'm like, I, I, and then, and I remembered and went back to sitting down in the interview. It was like, before I brought them on as franchisees, I'm like that we aligned on that value. And I'm like, you're right. Like, um, so keeping that customer conversation in there. Um, I call it saying hi, hi and goodbye to every single customer comes in, asking them, um, uh, you know, how their day is um, and uh, getting their name and getting their order right. Um, I believe um, sets us apart. And uh, I believe that when it's genuine, um, um, it, it's it's real. It's how that's how I make you feel when you come in. Once they cross the threshold in the door, it's your responsibility to connect with them. And if you, because right now in today's world, which was way back then, I don't know. It just seems more important right now. Yeah. But because I think that in today's world, I think it's acceptable on most brands that they don't care about the customer and the and the guest experience is fading right now. And in and in, in everything, I got a car. It's been in. Uh, service at the uh, service department for two days that was supposed to be done in two hours yeah and they don't they don't care how i feel because i don't have a choice yeah and i believe 
I believe that when we can um, make you feel different, just like our product can, it leaves that impression on you. And by the way, the product's good that the next time when you wake up and that light bulb goes off, I'm hungry. I want to try to have some, a little bit good for myself. Um, I want to go to Beyond Juicery and Eatery. Absolutely. And it's the same, it's the same thing, customers and employees, just making them feel valued and making them feel special that, that separates you. Yeah. We had one employee, um, the HR department came and said, Hey, you know, Burger King's paying them, you know, X amount of dollars and we're going to lose them. Oh. And I'm like, explain to them who they're working with versus what we're working with here. And like, if you're just going with people that work just for the money, you're going to find out really quickly. They don't have your back. Yeah. They, they don't, they don't care about you. And, um, and sure enough, they were gone for two months and they came back and they're like, you know, wow, the work environment, there was a sacrifice and, you know, selling burgers and fries all day versus we're selling happiness and, you know, enjoying, um, enjoying our guests because our guests, they pay a premium for coming to us. And why not give them that extra value that the other places won't? It doesn't really cost us anything to smile. Right. And say hi. Yeah. And make people make people feel valued and special. Um, you know, we're almost out of time, but my, my last question really here is: Have you had any uh, bus tub moments lately that you're thinking about? Something you can't get out of your head? Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I do. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's more on the lines of where we're going to in our food. Okay, I believe. I believe the transparency and food is going to become mandatory hmm. uh, in the near future. And and I say this because when you look at kids that are 10 to 15 years old, and I know when I was 10 to 15 years old, I didn't know anything about food. And the kids 10 to 15 years old are saying things like carbohydrate, sugar content, dye, red dyes, and oh. um and you, I just think like, okay, wow. Like we're a society that rapidly adapts to our environment. And, um, when they start asking those questions at such a young age and, be, and being one of the first to be able to, I mean, think about it. Like we have a, a chicken breast, it's fresh, it's never frozen, uh, yeah. no preservatives in it. And then being able to go onto the website and uh, find out where it was grown, what it was fed, uh, how, how, same thing with our produce. Um, why did I, why did we pick this produce? Why did we pick produce from this certain region of California? Or why did we pick produce from, well, we're looking at getting produce from you know, across the oceans. Yeah. And um, same thing with our bananas and, you know, everybody thinks they're all the same, but when you when you find something that you want to stick to, at one point in my career, I bought a whole blueberry farm, wow. and uh, that was to me those were those milestones where you're like, wow, because when we look back, we're like, okay, we just have blueberries, but how many blueberries can go through in a year, and then realize how much does a farm produce, and then we're like, we need to buy the whole farm, so we buy the whole farm, the whole farm, the whole crop of the farm. Wow. Yeah, so just that transparency and, and moving towards that, um, and you know, of course, don't have to reveal anything that you do. You're trying to keep keep a trade secret, but um, with that, 
Uh, Majel, thank you so much for joining us today. And, and where can people find uh, Beyond Juice? Um, you know, where are your locations at? We're in Cleveland, Ohio, metropolitan Detroit, Michigan. There's uh, probably a dozen cities there. And by the end of the year or first quarter of 2022, we'll be in Naples, Florida. Beautiful. Awesome. Getting there and, and expanding and congratulations on all the success. And again, and happy anniversary to you and Pam. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks again for checking out the Restaurant Growth Podcast presented by Seven Shifts. We're so grateful to our listeners and we'd love to hear from all of you. Send us an email to podcast at sevenshifts.com and check us out on social. We're at Seven Shifts on all platforms. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next week.